Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Support for MPB comes from University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, another delay at the Kemper County Energy Facility operated by Mississippi Power. We'll take a look. It's uneconomical. Uh, It would have been uneconomical even at the original cost estimates. Really what should happen is the gas fire, the mine, and so forth should just be shuttered and uh, electricity provided with the turbines as is happening now and consumers pay in only for the generating turbines. Later, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on motherly love. And Mississippi's infrastructure is crumbling. What do businesses in the state want to do about it? That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi Power says the start date for the Kemper County Energy Facility is being delayed again by one month. Estimated costs for the nearly $7 billion plant continue to increase as the delays pile up. The company will likely miss out on $250 million in tax breaks by not having the plant online by December 31st. And another delay adds to the questions around whether the technology at the plant is viable. Jeff Shepard is a spokesman for Mississippi Power. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby the one-of-a-kind plant presents a unique technological challenge. On Friday afternoon last week, we made our uh, monthly filing with the Mississippi Public Service Commission. uh, And along with that, um, we filed an 8K, which is a financial document that's filed with the Securities Securities and Exchange Commission. And in that filing, we announced that while we are continuing to make progress up at the plant site, you know, including, you know, the the milestones that we talked about last week with the production of uh, electricity generated from Syngas on the project second, gasifier. We did announce, though, that while it remains possible to meet the in-service date of December 31st, it now seems more likely that the the remainder of the facility will be placed in service during January 2017. Why another delay? The schedule adjustments needed, uh, Mark, for maintenance on the the plant's gas cleanup system and uh, getting gasifier A uh, ready to be put back in service. It had taken an outage. so we get it back in service, re- resume production of syngas and uh, electricity on gasifier A and gasifier B, and then integration of the systems to make sure that both of the gasifiers can operate at the same time, uh, that the facility and the staff are uh, you know, comfortably and safely uh, operating both of the gasifiers at the same time, and then we could declare commercial operation. There has been delay after delay for several months. Mm-hmm. There will be an announcement that the deadline has been pushed back only to have another delay. Why doesn't the company know when this plant will be fully operational? 
Well, because, Mark, I mean, the main reason is something, you know, you and I have spoken about even last week. You know, this is first-of-its-kind technology. Uh, this is serial number 0001. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think I said last week, you know, um, there is no manual on, on how a lot of these operations are taking place. But, you know, the company and our workers up at Camper are, are putting that manual together. And so uh, the, the part of the process that we're in right now is, it's called, you know, startup and commissioning activities, and that's exactly what's going on. Uh, you know, you, you're producing uh, certain certain amounts of syngas throughout the day and sending that to uh, the gas cleanup area and the turbines to make electricity, and you just, you're testing it at different levels, uh, different production levels, and, you know, you, the, the, the goal at the end of the day and at, at the end of this process is once we declare commercial operation that the facility can operate uh, for as long as possible, as safely as possible, uh, for our customers. Now, critics uh, would argue that the company is dragging its feet. What would you say about that? Well, again, Mark, you know, I mean, no one is more upset about the the cost overruns and uh, the schedule delays than the folks at Mississippi Power. But at the end of the day, you know, we're we're trying to build a facility that is an, an operated facility that's going to serve our customers for the next forty or fifty years. And we we understand the frustrations. We're frustrated that it's taken uh, longer than we originally anticipated. But we want to get it right. We're not going to sacrifice safety for the schedule. And, you know, we're, we're, there's no one dragging their feet on this project whatsoever. Everyone is excited about what this project means for Mississippi Power and for the future of energy. And, and we're working to get it completed as soon and as safely as possible. MPB's Mark Rigsby with Mississippi Power spokesman Jeff Shepard. Charles Grayson is the director of Bigger Pie Forum, a nonprofit Mississippi watchdog group. He tells Mark Rigsby the Kemper project isn't economical and should be scrapped. It's uneconomical. Uh, it would have been uneconomical even at the original cost estimates, and that's at the nub of it. Now, the turbines that are supplying the energy now, natural gas, those are okay. Uh, they're a little bit less efficient than uh, a purpose-built for natural gas, but not by much. Wouldn't take much to alter them. So really what should happen is the gas fire and the mine and so forth should just be shuttered and uh, electricity provided with the turbines as is happening now. And consumers pay in only for the generating turbines. So you're saying that the clean coal technology, the gasification of lignite coal and using that gas to run a turbine, to create electricity, and also ca- capturing the carbon and the other harmful gases that are the byproducts of lignite coal, all of that should be scrapped. Yes, because it's uneconomical, and it's. Uh, I've done some estimates with the current natural gas prices that EIA projects for the next 10 to uh, 12 years. That means that after that, um, that the lignite gasification can never be really uh, economical. It would take natural gas prices rising very rapidly to around 50 to $75 a million BTUs uh, in the last 20 years or so, and that just isn't likely to happen. Well, there's a, a lot of um, money involved in this project. Do you think it's realistic that uh, that part of the plant would be scrapped and just run on natural gas? Uh, I don't think that Southern is going to volunteer for that, and the Mississippi Power and Southern will not volunteer for that. Uh, and there's some regulatory restraints on the PSC to just do that uh, unless there has been misrepresentation or unless the plant just fails to operate the way that was promised.
Um, I think that Southern did misrepresent. I think they withheld information in their early phases, but I don't know whether that can be proved. If that doesn't happen, then we're probably going into a regulatory process that is going to drag out the uncertainty of cost to consumers, going to be harmful to economic development uh, in southeast Mississippi, could potentially be harmful for Mississippi Power because we're not actually going to know how well this plant operates and the cost operated for six to seven years. So if the PSC will take a firm stand on what's called used and useful, in other words, does the plant really do what it was promised to do? Um, and even Mississippi Power's filings recently suggest that we won't know that answer in the past five years. So we're, we uh, likely are headed into a very long and protracted period in which um, certainly retail ratepayers don't know what the future holds for them. I'm urging the PSC um, in this broadcast to take a strong stand on make the plant prove that it does what was promised, including some economic performance. And if that's the case, we're in for a long period. And I think Mississippi Power will then want to come to the table and say, let's negotiate something outside the normal regulatory process. MPB's Mark Rigsby with Charles Grayson of the Bigger Pie Forum on further delays at the Kemper County Energy Facility operated by Mississippi Power. Up next, a StoryCorps conversation from Mississippi on motherly love. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. This is a busy month for high school seniors, especially if they have to interview for college. Nowadays, Jeremy, most interviews are done by local alumni who try to make it easy and you know invite you to a coffee shop or their office. And really, it's about bringing the paper person to life. Tips for navigating college admissions. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. The election is over, and the nation has selected a new president, and with it, a new chapter in history has begun. We don't know what lies ahead, but NPR will continue to bring you the best coverage from coast to coast. Listen every day. I'm Kevin Farrell, the host of Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Each week, credit counselor Chris Burford and Assistant Professor of Finance Nancy Lotter-Janderson are ready to answer your questions about credit, investing, or saving for retirement. Or call in to share your success stories of navigating the personal finance challenges that we all face. Money Talks, Tuesday mornings at 9 on MPB Think Radio. choices in Elizabeth Ashley Ladner's life have often revolved around her son, Tristan. As Ladner shares with her cousin, Rachel Ladner, having Tristan at a young age dramatically changed the path she hoped her life would take. Still, says Elizabeth, she wouldn't have it any other way. The two cousins spoke at the StoryCorps mobile recording studio during a visit to Jackson last year. The most important person in my life would be my oldest son, Tristan. I had him at a very young age, and he has influenced my entire adult life. <laughs> a bit emotional. <laughs> Let it out. We have literally grown up together. I've made my fair share of mistakes with him, but every good thing that I've accomplished has been with him in my mind. There were plans or ideas I had on how my life would turn out when I was younger. And none of those things have actually come to pass. 
And I gave all that up for him. And I hope that one day when he's older and he's lived his own life and perhaps has children of his own, that he'll realize, although it seems like sacrifices on my part were made, were actually choices. And I didn't always choose wisely for us, but I made choices with him in mind and I made decisions that ultimately in later years, I hope will have given him a better life. Tell us a little bit about him. <laughs> well, he's obstinate and he's a teenager right now and I don't necessarily <laughs> like him all the time. <laughs> and he can be difficult. And I used to think that I despised toddlers until I had a teenager and I've realized that toddlers are so much more likable than teenagers. <laughs> it's made me appreciate the dog more because he can't talk to me <laughs> or talk back to me. Um, but he's a very smart child, and I know that all parents like to think that their children are smart. But he does have a, a high IQ, and um, he's not always the most thoughtful person. He is very forgetful and usually leaves his shoes behind wherever he takes them off at. <laughs> He's a bit quirky, I guess, as I am, but he has a good heart, and um, I hope he grows into the person that I know he can. Who has been the biggest influence on your life, and what did that person teach you? Uh, one of those people would be James, my brother, for teaching me to be self-aware and to think of my place in the world and how I fit and relate to others and within our own family for showing me that it's never too late in life to do anything or be anyone or go anywhere, that life is what we make it. I always like to say it is what it is, but he prefers it is what we make of it. For practicing what he preaches and trying to leave the world in a slightly better place. Our older sister, Stacy, would be a, another influential person on in my life. When I was younger, our mother had spoiled me rotten, almost beyond repair. But she taught me one very valuable lesson one day, my sister did. And there was a little girl around who had bumped my car. And as a, a teenager myself, who probably wasn't very likable either, <laughs> I became quite upset. And I remember her getting on to me. And she said that people are always more important than things. And objects are materials, and they can be replaced. And people can't be replaced. To hear more from our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hobson, this is a busy month for high school seniors, especially if they have to interview for college. Nowadays, Jeremy, most interviews are done by local alumni who try to make it easy and, you know, invite you to a coffee shop or their office. And really, it's about bringing the paper person to life. Tips for navigating college admissions. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. 
This is an important message for all MPB viewers who use an antenna to receive MPB TV. On Monday, December 12th, our DOT 1 and DOT 2 channels will change. MPB HD will move to DOT 1. A brand new 24-7 children's channel, PBS Kids, will premiere soon on DOT 2. Subchannels DOT 3 and 4 will continue to carry Create TV and MPB Think Radio just as before. Cable and satellite viewers shouldn't be affected. If you have questions, please visit our website at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A survey of Mississippi business leaders shows more than 70% of them think roads and bridges in the state are in poor or unacceptable condition. The Mississippi Economic Council is conducting the survey during its annual tour. Scott Waller is with MEC. He says there are 4,000 bridges in Mississippi that cannot hold the weight they were designed to withstand. Waller says it's a safety issue and costs businesses more money to reroute trucks. Waller tells MPB's Desiree Fraser $375 million is needed over 10 years to bring roads and bridges up to standard. What we're doing is we're wanting to get their input on how they view our transportation system today. Do they think our roadways are, are adequately maintained or not adequately maintained or in some cases poorly maintained? And then once we get that information, we talk to them about the impact it has on the economy, the real conditions on our roadways as a result of the study that was done through the Blueprint Mississippi uh, Infrastructure Transportation Infrastructure Task Force, the report that was released in uh, December of last year that kind of outlined what the conditions of our roadways are, what the cost of making sure we bring those up to the standard that everyone expects would be, and, and get their input on, on the path forward in doing that. So that is kind of the key of what we do when we talk about transportation. We want to lay out the fact that, yes, it's a safety issue, but more importantly, it's a huge economic issue for the state of Mississippi. What questions did you ask? What are they telling you? What we do is we get their opinion right off the bat before we kind of give any information about what the study showed us to get their opinion of how they view the roadways. And about 70% say they're either not adequately maintained or poorly maintained. So even before we get into the facts and figures that our report shows us that there are 4,000 bridges that are deficient, there's 25,000 uh, lane miles of state highway that need some type of repair. There are 13,000 uh, local roads that are in very poor condition. Before we ever get into that, we ask them that question, and they're, they're telling us that they agree with that before we ever lay that out for them. And then we also ask them how do they view this when it comes to the economy. And about 98% says either very important or somewhat important to our economy to have a strong transportation system. So the business and community leaders that we're meeting with across the state, almost 2,000 thus far, t are telling us that this is a major part of our economy and it's not where it needs to be. So I think that helps lay out the, the message. Then when I get into the information that the, the study shows us, it just kind of backs up their, their thoughts as well and, and shows that they, they do understand we have a real problem. Are you hearing sentiments associated with frustration? How are they expressing themselves about this issue? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is we have to go back and look at the investment that was made in our transportation system over the last 30 years. And in 1987, when the four-lane highway program, the AHEAD program, was put in place, it had a huge impact 
on Mississippi's economy. You look at the industry that's come in as a result of having good roadways to move products, uh, four-lane highway within 30 miles of every Mississippian across the state of Mississippi. It makes moving our our citizens and our goods so much easier. And I think the sentiment is they don't want to lose that. They want us to continue to use that as an asset to grow our economy. And I think they recognize that they have to do that and they understand the importance of it. And as we go through this and point out all of the things that we're talking about will happen as a result of it, I think they get it, and that's one of the reasons they're strongly supporting uh, some type of initiative to put additional dollars into our transportation infrastructure at all levels, the state, the county, the city level, across the state of Mississippi. What are you telling them that it is going to do for the state? Well, I think there's two or three things that happens. Number one, the safety issue would be addressed. As I mentioned earlier, there are 4,000 bridges that are deficient at the state and local level. Of those, about 2,400 are posted, meaning they can no longer carry the weight that they're supposed to carry. Well, what happens is when a posted bridge can't carry the weight, you have to start rerouting traffic. You know, it might our cars can go across it, but a, a truck, a commercial truck cannot. A school bus cannot. So, I mean, that's, that's longer time on the school bus for children. It's, it's longer routes for commercial trucks to be able to move goods to and from. So it becomes costly at that point, and I think they understand that. So the benefit of that would be, they would eliminate those. MPB's Desiree Frazier with Scott Waller of the Mississippi Economic Council. Democratic State Senator Willie Simmons of Cleveland tells Desiree Frazier if repairs aren't made to state bridges, it's just a matter of time before a tragic accident occurs. Well, one of the things we definitely do not need to do is kick the can down the road again. Um, back in 2013, the Senate had a special committee that we chair, and we looked at the same kind of information that Department of Transportation and Mississippi Economic Council looked at. And we came up with the same conclusion that we need about $350 million a year for 10 years in order to take care of our bridges and highways. We are on an antiquated system uh, where we collect about 18.4% a gallon for fuel that's been in place since 1987. We have not increased it while the cost to repair and build roads and bridges have skyrocketed. So we need help. we got to have new monies in order to do that. The existing budget is not adequate enough to take care of it, so we have to come up with a way of generating new money. So I want to thank the Menace community for stepping up to the plate and encourage others, like Board of Supervisors and mayors and Superintendent of Education and First Responders, to react to it and let us know at the Capitol that we must do something. You're chairman of the Transportation Committee uh, for the Senate. Yes, I've been a chairman for the past six years. What's the holdup? Why is it so hard to move forward on this issue? Well, you know, anytime public officials, elected officials, have to raise new money through taxes or fees, we're a little reluctant to step out and do that. However, we have such a great need in this situation that we should all come to understand that. But I think the general public also needs to be told uh, that we should make contact with our elected officials and let them know. So I want to thank you for what you're doing in corresponding and communicating and getting the information out there that we have a serious problem. We have over 4,000 bridges that have been posted, and they have some serious problems. So if we don't do something, we eventually could have a tragedy 
where a school bus or a family, uh, a first responder vehicle could either cross a bridge and that bridge collapse and we have a loss of life, or in the first responder situation, there could be communities that those responders, whether it be fire department or ambulance service, can't get to a community because a bridge has been posted and the weight is no longer uh, at the level where we can utilize those bridges. MPB's Desiree Fraser with State Senator Willie Simmons on the condition of Mississippi's roads and bridges. Coming up after Mississippi edition, it's Money Talks in Legal Terms and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, offering online master's degrees in elementary education, higher education, and early childhood education. Your master's degree can be earned online in as little as one to two years. More information at education.olemiss.edu. It's my-